stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey there, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Wow, today's episode proves that you really can change the world. And, you know, I often tell people you, 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 can't, you can't save the world single-handedly. In fact, none of us can really save the world, but all of us have got the capacity to actually contribute to make a better world. And some of us, like today's guest, have really understand the concept of how to scale something really big and how to truly change people's lives. And you're going to absolutely love, love this interview. And particularly, I was going to say the particularly the bit about water, but to be honest, the whole damn thing's great. And it's about how we can really make a difference and make an impact. And so I don't know, let me tell you about him. So Terry Paul is a co-founder and chairman of Findex founder and executive director of Myco, which are the makers of BioCheese, and the co-founder and CEO of Botanical Water Technologies and the founder and CEO of Botanical Water Foundation, plus a whole lot of other things. Like he's just, he is, a, maybe he's an overachiever, but I don't think that. I think he's just, he's just knows what he's doing. And my God, he's done some amazing stuff. He's also amassed 35 plus years of experience as a serial entrepreneur. So 35 years doing this sort of stuff is bound to have some amazing, amazing impact. So anyway, let's just get straight into it. Let's hear from Terry and listen to some of the amazing things that he's doing. Welcome, Terry. Hello, Karen. Thanks for, for inviting me along. I've been very excited uh, to, to do this all week. I've been really nervous. So uh, I don't oh. know if you have that effect on people, but I, I just, uh, I, I'm just so excited. Uh, I don't know if I have that effect on people, but I, I've been excited to talk to you too, because you are just, oh, we're going to get to your water thing. Oh my God. Yeah. I love what you're doing. I want to talk about the rest of your, your stuff first, but uh, you know, I've just, ever since I've met you, you, you know, we've had some great conversations about giving back and about loving the world and, you know, and caring about the planet and, and, and how we can do that in a business sense, you know, and a lot of us are unfortunately like me, um, I don't have a great business brain but I'm all forgiving and sometimes we get a little bit I think in the past it's been very much you're either a philanthropic sort of giver you know and or you're a business person and we it's good when they can actually both come together because us givers actually need to put food on the table so we might actually learn something from you <laughs> I think it's fantastic you mean you, mean you want to eat occasionally yeah <laughs> exactly oh, well. it's a good strategy yeah, and you, you just, um, you know, speaking of success, you're just, you're massively successful in, in the business arena. And, you know, in the intro, I said a few things that you were um, 
that you'd founded that it's you know you, you just you're incredible you just see opportunity and you just grab at it and I, I absolutely admire that and I, I'm kind of envious of it because I'm just too slow off the mark with that sort of stuff and you and I were just talking we should have both got shares in zoom and by god we, we would have been out on a beach somewhere by now but you, you know all this great stuff that you're doing and, and your, your incredible business mind you know to turn stuff into well food on your table but also food for good you know like we all this success were you born into success did you come from a silver spoon family or how did uh, de- de- definitely definitely not quite at the other end of the uh the spectrum uh karen and and thanks for your good words uh, very uh very generous i don't know if it's all true but we'll we'll it's take true. it when we when we can get it but <laughs> no quite the opposite i'm uh definitely born into a migrant uh, working class family in fact the, you know one of the original wog boys uh, off the boat uh, mum and dad arrived i don't know what the hell they were thinking with a, a six-year-old and i was eight months old uh, when they arrived in 1962 long long time ago followed on from my uncle who came out in the 50s so really born into a working class uh, family grew up in Richmond and had had a great upbringing you know what kids really want um, get out in the morning uh, particularly during the holidays those holidays seemed a lot longer uh, at Christmas than they than they do these days for some reason but there was only one rule just to be back before dark and <laughs> you know that that yeah. you could get up to all sorts of stuff with your mates uh, riding your bike and you know doing things you probably I'm not going to own up to on on a recorded <laughs> show but but uh, so so definitely understood um, what it takes uh, to, to to earn a earn a living. You know, mum and dad factory workers, etc. And we were lucky enough to get an education. My brother and I, my older brother and I, there's only the two of us. And uh, I think Gough Whitlam was uh, the reason we 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 managed to get through to a university degree and and and, and get a degree. And then the rest just happened. I'm not quite sure how, but um, you know, it happened. Some people say luck, and I reckon it's good management. Actually, you know, it's um, it's it's about, isn't it, about saying um, I don't know. Tell me if this is true for you that it's kind of like what you come from. You determined that I'm not going to live, I'm not going to stay in that, and I don't need to stay in that. You know, I'm going to make a better life, even though you're talking about fantastic things, riding your bike, and you know, I did that too, and it was a was a great life. But there's always a struggle, and you know. Yeah, but it, it boils down to my mum my passed away. She was a very um, generous lady. She she passed away of cancer about five years ago. And and I, I think the answer to what you've just said really got uh, summed up by my brother at her funeral. I mean, we just, you know, it was a, a small group of people. And he said that she in particular is a very, very giving person. You know, there are givers and there are takers and there are matches in life. And and she was just the ultimate giver. She loved, she was a feeder as well. She used to love to feed people. Mm-hmm. That was her passion. You know, it was always about other people. It's amazing. And and you, I, I just thought that was natural. Um, and every, every mum did that. And I guess a lot of them do, but not, not all of them. And the words that uh, my brother said were that, um, she gave us a good moral and, and dad too gave us a good moral compass and and being able to make understand the difference between good decisions and bad decisions i think that's at the essence of what has probably driven us sure you, you get up in the morning and you want to be the best version of yourself and go off and do things you know big things and and we we are an amb- ambitious uh, little clan. A very the Pauls are a very very small clan. There's not many of us around, so uh, we you know we 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 know everyone there. 
Um, so uh, that's probably at the, at the guts of it. We didn't really sit around the table like I probably do with my children who are now, you know, my daughter's 30. So, you know, we're at, we're at a different stage in our lives. But we, we do talk about um, things about, you know, building businesses or, or wealth and transferring that and what it means and reputation, you know, family, family name. It's, it's not just you when you make decisions in the world. It's, it's all the people with the same common name that, that get dragged into it. And you see it in the press all the time where someone makes a bad decision and the whole family suffers uh, for it and, and, and all the dynamics um, around that. So in, in when I was growing up, it was really about being a good person. Um, there's a Greek, uh, and I'm from Greek background, uh, there's a Greek saying or, or, or term called um, philotimo, which doesn't actually have a, an English translation. It, it actually means respect and honour. It's, it's around, and, and the Greeks will use it in a way when, when you do something that's you know, cheap or, or nasty or bad, they'll, they'll say, don't you have any philotimo? Don't you have any kindness? And I know that's a big word for you, kindness to, to, to other people and the reputation of your family. So that, that, that's really what got discussed other than the footy and, and mm. how do you make a living around when I was growing up. And maybe that's part of the reason that we have had a level of success, whatever you define success, we don't define it in money, we, we define it in reputation and, and, and being a good person and, and, and in the spirit of uh, my dear mother. Yeah, yeah. I, I define um, success around character as well. You know, I think that that's a really important thing. Yeah, I love what you're saying. I, I reckon that's, I, I, I kind of don't want to say it because I feel like I'm generalising, I'm just throwing shit out there, you know, but it, it does seem like a lot lately we've lost moral compasses do you know you know there's this seems to be kind of like what's in it for me and what's in it for me right now you know that kind of thing and if I'm impacting someone else too bad and I'm I know I'm over generalizing but you just don't see as much of that um wholesomeness anymore do you you know and I yeah it's a good old-fashioned way isn't it it's a it's a mind it's a mindset look it does exist I think generally I'm I'm an optimist and I I like to see good things in people wherever possible. Uh, it's not always the case. Maybe technology and and the intimacy or the immediacy of, you know, we all know, we're all so connected, which is wonderful because you can be sitting anywhere in the world and be connected to whoever you want to be. But but sometimes it, it works against you in, in this aspect. And and you know, people have a self-image on Instagram, and 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 it's fake. It's not. It's not the real, the real them. And they put themselves under pressure. They, 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 they put themselves out to the world and then feel bad about themselves. They focus on things they can't control. One, one of the secrets to success. Um, and I know uh, Ben Crow, who's been in the media a fair bit, is a friend of mine, you know, with Ash Barty and uh, my illustrious Richmond Football Club uh, growing <laughs> up in Tigerland. Um, you know, he talks about focusing on the things you can control and, and you do you do and shutting out all the noise of what other people think and 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 just being yourself being relaxed enough being being a comfortable with being yourself it doesn't mean you can't improve it just means start with that basis get comfortable with yourself focus on the things that you can control and somehow all these other things start to happen uh, whereas if uh, the more you focus on outside of your control, the more you shrink, the more you go backwards, you lose momentum, you lose confidence, and then you have a very unhappy life potentially. Mm. 
it's really um quite fits quite well with the law of attraction doesn't it you know just you know the, the more you whatever you focus on grows and it's yeah and, and the more you give uh, karen the more you get let me tell you yes I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I i i so you know people say it's amazing how you were lucky enough to do that and you know all of those lucky those lucky moments but if you go into a relationship um, expecting to get something, you know, as I mentioned earlier, and there's a book, I can't remember who wrote it, but, you know, called Givers, uh, Takers and Matches, you know, people that match. But I, I think it's an advantage to go into any relationship, personal and commercial, business, whatever, with a mentality around giving. So give, give for the right reasons. Don't give stupidly, but give for the right reasons and not expect anything. And the expectation, the result of what comes back may not come back in your lifetime. It could be to your children or to something else that you believe in. You know, somebody can approach your kids uh, in, in 50 years time and say, you know, your old man helped me do whatever or my dad or something, I wanna give something back or, and so on and so on. So there is an element of karma there, you know, this mm -hmm. mind, body, soul that I know you and I have discussed about uh, in the past. Well, I 100% agree with all of that. And I absolutely love it. And tell us about the mind, body, soul, because I think that's that I know, I don't think I know that that's something that's really important to you and that you try to weave that into business wherever you can. So what's the story or message behind all that? Yeah, look, it's some, it's something, and 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 there's a lot of components to it, but but if you dumb it down, it's, it's really talking about... Um, those are the three essences of what controls our lives and how we go about go about living. So I remember coaching my daughter's under 13 netball team. This is how crazy you can get with this stuff. And you know, you're teaching them how to throw and do and whatever, and 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 really bunch of good kids, right? And we'd sit down before a game and talk about mind, body, soul. And I'm sure other parents would be saying, this guy's a bit kooky, right? He should be teaching them how to throw, <laughs> throw the ball or, or, or win. And it's not about winning in particular at that age. And what we talk about is that there are three elements to success in life. And mind is around being the best version of yourself, being smart, being committed, all of those things, understanding. Bodies around ability. And some of that is stuff that you can work on through practice, through training, but often it's God-given, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a capability. Some people can play the piano, other people can kick 60-metre goals, you know, like Dusty Martin or God knows what. So understanding that. And then soul is around, I guess, is the most intangible. It's, it's around spirit. It's around wanting something more than something else. So if you have two of those ingredients, you can have quite a successful life. So if you've got, if you're a smart person and, and, and have good mindset, and want something, but maybe a lacking in, in ability, you'll probably achieve most of your goals and vice versa. But in order, you'll find that elite people, not only sports people, but anyone that's elite in their chosen uh, world, you know, where they, where they want, want, want to live, will have all three. They, they will have mind and mental strength and, and the smarts. They will have some God-given or, or earned capability and they will want it more than anything else. And if you can apply those three things, those three principles, or at least two of those principles, if you only have one, well, that's better than having none, mm. um, but, it, but it's less likely you will achieve the top end of whatever it is you set out to do. Mm, I love that. And and I love, it's easy to hear you talk and, and say this and then when you talk about mind, you say, 
you know, you've got to be smart. And it, it's very easy to interpret that as you saying, well, you have to be have a high IQ and you have to be, you know, genius, genius thinking, of intel- genius intelligence. But that's not what you're saying at all. And smart no. thinking. It could be street smart. It could exactly. be street smart through, it could be a composition of education, experience and training or all of those, right? Yeah. And yeah. as you get grumpy and old and grey like me, you probably have a, a few more of those. You know, you put your hand there. You know, you try to tell kids, I remember our kids, we'd use the term hot. Hot. Even if it wasn't something that was hot, it was the best that we could come up with to, to yeah. tell them to not put their hand there because the door's going to shut or yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, I guess you have to have those moments where you do touch the hot and say, oh, shit, he wasn't, that guy wasn't choking. Look at my <laughs> hand. And ouch, it really, really hurts. So life tends to to beat you up a little bit and the, and the smarter people sort of learn um, how, to, how to work their way through that. That's That's yeah. what I'm talking about, being smart. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I think that I love what you're saying in in that those three ingredients are accessible to anybody who actually wants to who wants to, to to gain them, you know, in whether it's God given or whether it's earned, you know, you can you can Absolutely. they're accessible. So Absolutely. I mean we can only we can only get half a dozen players in my netball team, but if we had more <laughs> in that netball team, there would have been more people focusing on mind, body, soul. You know, some of these uh, kids now um, have all gone on to be doctors and specialists and, and, yeah. and, and have started careers. And I just wonder, it'd be great to catch up with them at a point in time and, and just sort of see if any of that, albeit modest contribution, I'm sure their parents did a hell of a lot more than I did for them. But you wonder if any of that actually uh, sunk in over a number of years that you had an opportunity to, to you know, to mentor effectively, do some mentoring yeah. there. And also the, the interesting thing about that is that a lot of times we have these moments with people and sometimes people will say, oh, I'll never forget that time you said such and such, it changed my life. But there's also other points where it goes in subconsciously. We don't even know that that was a moment that was a defining thing for us. You know, we, we might feel something, but we can't actually remember that that, that 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 was a turning point. So it would be interesting to catch up, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you about your um, Myco. You know, you you were the founder of Myco, and a lot of I remember this coming out. It's it's the um, plant based cheese, and you know, it was I, I was you know heavily into veganism then, and they couldn't find cheese anywhere. And I remember it coming out, and it was like, ah, oh, finally, you know, there's something that we that we can eat. But tell us, like, it's it's, it's Myco is not just the cheese, like there's a whole lot of other stuff to it. And it's um it's got a health and well-being sort of back that, that's what you're interested in. But your big focus is on plant-based food and beverages. What what got you into into that? Coming yeah. from a Greek background, you would have had lots of roast lamb and stuff like that. So you know. Yeah, look, that's that's a cliche. The Greeks actually <laughs> eat, don't eat that much lamb, but it's great. I mean, you know, it's sort of become a story but but myco is really is um, a vehicle that really allows me to practice mind body and soul in a commercial aspect i mean there's a charitable component to it too which we could talk about a little bit later but but effectively it was inspired by actually by a poem so if you visit our myco website uh, you'll see that it's a really simple website it talks about mind body soul being the best version of yourself all the stuff that we've just talked about and then it, it publishes Max Irwin's poem, Desiderata, yeah. which some people would know through the song, you know, sort of a bit flower power in the 60s and 70s. But that, that poem goes back to 1927. And, it, and, and it, it really is a beautiful way 
to talk about mind, body, soul and, and being in peace with yourself and understanding there are vexatious and noisy people and understanding to be kind to yourself as you grow old and understanding that you have a right uh, to be here in the universe like any anything else. So without getting too kumbaya about it, um, <laughs> I, I, I thought when I read it and, and, and really reread it many times that it was a really nice way to sort of encapsulate the mind, yeah. body, soul. And, and Myco is really a, it's a vehicle. It's, it's, it's a way that we solve problems, I guess. And, and you've actually said exactly what we set out to do, that you had a problem being a vegan and not having easy or convenient access to um, sustainable and dairy-free or, or animal-free animal cheese in this instance. We came, we came along and built a product and put it on a shelf through Coles and Woolies on a national basis and gave it to you at a price point that made sense. And in one, in one essence, um, made you part of the broader community because often vegans, if you go back sort of um, seven, eight, ten years ago, we're really struggling, um, you know, they're quite polarising, can be polarising, only yeah. because they're so passionate about yeah. um, the ethical and moral side of the thing, mm. uh, but 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 may have felt uh, dislocated in the sense that, you know, you'd have to go a long way to just buy basic things that everyone else could go to their fridge yeah. or pantry and find. So. That was the birth of our bio cheese product. Um, Plant-based foods have interested me since about 2012. I I've, I've, was a flexitarian and now I'm not a vegan, but I'm pretty close to one. I still eat some dairy uh, product, but my, my diet is plant-based and has been for, for some years. It's not necessarily just because of um, the moral or ethical a animal side of it. It's actually three consumers, I call them, that have morphed into one. So there are people that are interested in their health and well-being. They're changing the way they eat. They're doing Meatless Monday. They're, they're dialing down certain parts of their diet. And my Greek background actually tucks quite nicely into that because the Greek Mediterranean diet is known to be a, as a healthy diet. So, so it, it was sort of a predecessor to plant-based where extra virgin olive oil and sort of low-fat feta cheeses and, and a lot of beans and sprouts and, and, and vegetables make up the majority. You know, lamb is only consumed as a sort of a special occasion uh, around parts of the year and so. So it's it's a little bit of a myth that Greeks just sit there eating lamb all the time. Maybe in Australia they do, but certainly back in Greece they probably don't as much. So, so it 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 the second consumer is I call the middle person who's really interested in the planet and the well-being of the planet and and understands the dynamics around that, and then the third person is the vegan is saying, look, it's great to worry about yourself, it's great to worry about the planet, but what about all of God's creatures as well? So, they're all one person now, and we're seeing it. Um, manifest in this term called sustainable sustainability uh, and 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 it's moving in the right direction whether we're going to do it all in time and and we have got a lot of pro problems in the world the world is warming um, it is affecting our food bowl and our food chain water scarcity and contamination is the next big big thing and we'll talk a little bit more about that later it is life-giving you know without water we see a lot of water events but the it's raining in the wrong places we're seeing floods which are which are catastrophic catastrophic we're seeing droughts in places like california and even in australia and other parts of the world so 
the world's not necessarily is in, in a good place at the moment, but if we can get more and more people um, just changing little things in the way they consume and, and, and they go about their lives, because that's the biggest question that I get, um, you know, I, I can't make a change. I'm only one person. How am I going to do it? But people don't understand if they change one thing or maybe two things in what they do in a, an entire week, the compounding effect across 7 billion people is huge. It will move the dial. It will help the planet. It will make things, it will make a difference. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I sit within all three of those things, you know, I, I but particularly, uh, and more so than my own health, and I should probably focus on that more, but more so about the planet, you know, and, and the animals. And I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I get into despair and then I'm also an optimist as well because I always believe that we can do it and I, and I, I do believe we can hit a tipping point and, and I often wonder whether I'll still be here to see it and even if I'm not, I don't care. You know, I just would like us to hit a tipping point where we realise the interconnection, interconnectedness of, of everything here and all our energy and, and it doesn't take much as you say, as you say it's like it's like kicking a bucket of water just that tiny little nudge and, and the whole thing sort of it's, spills splashes and, yeah. yeah and and look a, a pandemic like covid is really uh you know if you take if you can take any positives out of that i mean it's not something it's the proverbial 100 year uh event but but the pandemic's also shown how interconnected we are, how close we are. I mean, it's shown that governments and bureaucrats are actually no good at solving big world problems. The, the politicians are in it for very short periods of time. They're not all bad. I'm not saying sometimes they're so frustrated, I'm sure, in their own world of what, what they can contribute. The bureaucrats have been there a long time and the armories are not really built to be able to, to, to solve those problems. So then we take global warming and greenhouse and water scarcity and PFAs and forever chemicals and all the problems that the world has. And we ask the same set of people to solve that for us. And it's unrealistic to expect that. The solution actually needs to be from us as individuals to make meaningful changes, albeit, you know, one or two, but substantial changes to what we do. It's not, it's not an insurmountable task to do that. But the effect compounding through will be huge. Mm. And but, but we tend to be very selfish, getting back to our giving. Yep. Um, you, you find, you know, the pandemic's another good example. You, you see the developed world, the Western world, huge vaccination rates, close, you know, Fortress Australia, bunker up. It's somebody else's problem. And I call that a clean fish in a dirty pond. That's that's the that's the approach they've taken. They're saying, she'll be right, I'm good. But if you have a look at what's disturbed the world with the Delta variant and the Omicron variant, it's come out of the developing world. We haven't fixed their problem. So the variations to the virus have come out of that world because they haven't had access to vaccines. They haven't, they haven't been looked after from a global perspective. So here we are bunkered up again because we didn't help solve everyone's problem. You can't be a clean clean fish in a dirty pond. Mm, I love that analogy. That's so that's so good. And 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 it, 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 and we're not better than anyone else. And there's often, often it's a kind of a thing where we'll, uh, there's two parts. There's one is thinking that we're better than the developing countries, you know, and and kind of like 
it's almost a token gesture at times, you know, we'll just help them out and it just looks good on our spreadsheet and that kind of stuff. And, and the other part to that is taking care of myself, you know, and, and another part to that interconnectedness that people just don't get when you take care of yourself, you're actually harming yourself because you're not, you're not putting solutions into the environment around you that is going to impact back on you. So, but speaking exactly what you're saying, you said a key point here, which leads so well into the water thing, is that you can't rely on the governments. You can't rely on all these big, whoever, conglomerates and God knows what. It's, it's individuals that have to start making choices and start making decisions and say, do you know what? I think I can, I can help. And with Get Off the Bench, I'm always saying to people, you never know, like your little thing that you're perceiving as little might be the trigger that if it doesn't work for you, it might inspire somebody else to make the, the next big thing. But you've, so we should all try. We should, if it was something we want to do, just give it a crack. But you did. You gave it a crack. And I want to hear about it. Um, abs, tell us, tell us about botanical water. It's just. Yeah, look, it's a huge idea. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a little bit crazy and I've got a reasonable track record of building things from a garage in a startup. I mean, we, we've, we've got a successful financial services company that my brother and I called Findex. We started in 1987 around my dining room table. And we've now, now built effectively a billion dollar company that employs 3,000 people across two countries, Australia and New Zealand. And then we went on and built another business called Lemnos, which is a Mediterranean lifestyle dairy business, which grew to be quite a large business, which we sold about 10 or so years ago. And then started to talk about bio cheese which uh, we, we, we we talked about a little bit earlier so you start to build a bit of a repertoire a way of and and you know people see business and particularly big business as a, as a dirty word and I, and I and I can understand that right because generally capitalism is 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 really around shareholders you see you see you know our job is to make shareholders a lot of money and that's that's wrong that mentality is actually very, very wrong. We like to call it, our family office calls it sustainable capitalism, where we shift away from thinking about shareholders to thinking about stakeholders, all the stakeholders, mm -hmm. the customers, the employees, you know, the, the broader community, um, all of the bits that we've just been talking about. So if you go into work every day and take a stakeholder mentality, where everyone can win, you know, it doesn't need to be we win, they lose. That's the wrong way to, to approach it. You can actually take the good parts of capitalism, you know, survival of the fittest, uh, building big things, uh, making money. It's not a dirty word to make money because it makes people get up the next day to do it again, right? If, if, if there's nothing in it for people in, the, in their own world, then they may not want to get up the next day and go and do it again. So, so it, it's not a bad thing to embed that in a day-to-day in, in a, in a -day activity. So botanical water has, in the broader sense, aqua botanical, actually, I've got some here I'm drinking. I drink it every day. There it is, available <laughs> at Co Coles and online if you Google aqua botanical. So this water. Yeah recently was living in a plant, was living in a carrot, was living in tomato, was living in sugarcane here in Australia. Wow. So I met a guy by the name of Dr. Bruce who was making water from carrots up in Mildura. So that intrigued me. Mm. So I hopped on a plane, went and met Bruce. We spent a day together and talked about a whole bunch of stuff. And then we were crazy enough in 
2017 to invest in the invention. So this was a really novel invention, which basically said you have rainwater, you catch it, you drink it. So, if, you know, it could be in a river, surface water. Then you have aquifer water, water that lives below the ground, uh, mineral water, et cetera, et cetera. And you can drill down uh, and create a, a bore or well and, and catch and drink that. But no one up until this point had really thought that plants, all plants, fruit and vegetables, are effectively 95% water. So if we could find a way to harvest the water that naturally occurs in plants, we've actually found a new source of water. And this water may be more predictable, unlike rainwater where we don't really know if it's going to rain. We, we do know where plants are harvested uh, and, and grown. Um, so we, what we do is we don't grow fruit and vegetables to take, to take the water out of it. What we do is we attach our technology and our equipment, our machinery, our water harvesting unit to existing industries. And those industries are industries like people that make sugar from sugar cane, people that make things like tomato ketchup or tomato sauce or, or juice or fruit concentrates that are used as ingredients, and people that make alcohol, distilleries. Now, what those three industries have in common is they all use a large evaporative process to, to concentrate the fruit or vegetable down, to, 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 to concentrate it. So they're effectively evaporating out the water. And there's thousands of these factories all over the world in some of the most water scarce or contaminated countries in the world. And what happens at the moment, that, that evaporative condensate literally goes out the back of the factory, often piping hot, like kettle hot, into a river or, or to environmental detriment. And what we do is we cleverly catch that evaporative condensate. We run it through a purification process in our equipment, and then we create the world's most sustainable water, clean, environmentally green and safe water. And we, we, we've worked out that there's about 3 trillion litres of this water that gets thrown away around the world at the moment. And that's like, you know, um, 1.2 million Olympic size swimming pools worth every year. Wow. And in, pla in places like India, where water scarcity is huge, I mean, something like one and a half million children a year die in India from water related mm. and sanitation related diseases. So India is a good example. There are 525 sugar mills in India. Each one of these sugar mills literally, like today, will throw away around 2 million litres of our water straight out the back of the factory into, into a river, to, piping hot to environmental detriment. Every so we day. can now catch every day, 2 million, each, one, each factory, each factory will throw wow. away 2 million litres a day. So these are quite big factories, right? They're wow. not they're, So we're able to now, through our innovation and, 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 and our process, catch that water and convert it into, uh, you know, a product at the at the small end, but but at the other end, we're able to use it as an ingredient, and we're able to gift it into the local communities. Mm. So so girls predominantly are, uh, carry the burden of walking long distances in some of these communities to fetch water. You know they 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 they're of, of, can often come to harm. They can be raped. They can be you know you know it's not not they're walking three four hours a day, which means they're not going to school. 
So if these kids aren't going to school and getting an education, and it's coming from a wog boy, remember, that uh, <laughs> had, my, had, had my opportunity because my parents are crazy enough to hop on a boat and come yep. to the other side of the world. We want to, through our Botanical Water Foundation, gift this same water that I'm drinking, looks exactly like that, crystal clear yep. water, yep. to the world's poorest people mm. and get some of the world's biggest companies to pay th for it through through um, this business that we're building, our botanical water business. Mm. Wow. I love that. So is, so is that – then you're talking about gifting it. Is that – I know you're also – you have started up the water botanical water foundation or the aqua tell me what it's exactly called the well the foundation the the retail product the yeah. the one that's you can buy in a yeah. supermarket or online is called aqua botanical so that's a brand name yeah the water the water itself is called botanical water yeah and our business is called botanical water technologies yeah and then sitting to one side separately is the Botanical Water Foundation. And the way we're doing it is the technologies business will create and trade in this water on a new exchange that we're building. We're in, we've partnered up with Fujitsu, a global player, to build a blockchain botanical water exchange. So we're, we're putting it on a platform where, like, a bit like Uber. So if you can imagine somebody like a sugar mill, that wasn't in the water business that may be selling sugar to Coca-Cola can now sell water to Coca-Cola or to a beverage company or to a beer company. So they're like the, the Uber driver. Yeah. And at the other end, there are beverage companies and varying people, municipalities and charities all looking for water to do what they do on the other side of the equation. So they'll come to the exchange as the passenger and our botanical water exchange will connect the two. We'll transact a water transaction, which will say, look, I want to buy 100 million litres of water. Fine. Trade. A bit like on Uber. You know, you, you get to a destination. And what we're doing in there is we're taxing that transaction 1% and filling a virtual silo of water in our foundation. And then, then we, we'll knock on the door to people like, you know, UNICEF or... Matt Damon, you know, the actors, water.org or Charity Water and say, look, hey, guys, I've got 100 million litres of water that I want to give to you because you've got the infrastructure, you've got all the relationships, you've got all the things that are needed. We're going to give this to you to give to people in your ecosystem, in your community. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. We'll partner with these organisations that have been predominantly at the moment, they dig wells and they create local water sources that way. We've found a new factory up the road, literally, you know, because think about it, the people that work in the factory live in the village. Yeah. And yeah. their kids, they're making sugar, for example, but their kids are walking three and four hours in the morning to go and fetch water. Imagine if that factory that mum and dad work in can also ship a, a tanker of water down into the middle of town in the morning. Everyone goes out there, gets their water for the day, and, uh, and it's clean. It's as good as what I'm drinking. Uh, and the kids can go to school and they don't get sick and they don't die. Wow. This, I is, just love this, it. this is this is not theoretical, Karen. This, yeah. this is happening. This yeah. is real. This is uh, we've got some of the biggest brands in the world partnering up at the moment and a few more to come by the end of the year. This this started in literally on a farm in Mildura mm. and is now sort of in that middle middle stages. And we've got people like Fujitsu who are brought in all the way to, to CEO level 
that love the sustainability and the philanthropic story here and are really been very, very generous. They're, they're a wonderful company. I mean, most people know the Amazons and the Microsofts yeah. and that, but Fidgets are a 35 billion US dollar turnover business, right? They're, they're, and they, they love to build technology like the other tech companies, but build it for real world problem solving. And if you think of Myco, that's what we do. We started there thinking before we, we like to problem solve. So there's been a real meet, meeting of the minds with them uh, mm -hmm. in helping us build our exchange. Uh, and, and, you know, all of their relationships as well uh, will, will, will also be, uh, will come to the party eventually. It's a big idea. So if you're listening oh. to this and thinking that guy's crazy, I don't know what he's talking about. You wouldn't be the first person. But it takes people, you know, I've got a T-shirt that Ben gave me and it's his motto and it says, embrace your weird. <laughs> and I, I, I wear that I wear that to the gym often um, and it sort of sets a bit of a mindset that, you know, yeah, you've got to be a bit crazy to do some of this stuff. You do, but it's, 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 again, accessible to all of us because we all have ideas. You know, we all have things going on in our mind with kind of like, oh, I wonder what if I could get water out there or what if I could, you know, do this or what if I could do that? But we don't do it because we don't take the risk, you know, or because we think, ah, oh, it's too big. And when you think about your idea, it was one crazy farmer, you know, in, um, in, in Mildura thinking, oh, look at, look at this great idea. I can get water out of my carrots. And that could have just stayed on his farm forever, you know, because he he might not have had the, I guess, the knowledge or the know, you know, just to know how how do I ever progress this? But I think this is where it comes into let let's talk about what we're doing. Let's talk about our ideas because somebody will hear about it and somebody will say, I want to help you with that. You know, I, I want to come on board with that or. I want to and that's, exa that's, that's exactly how this happened. That mm. I, I mean, a lot of people that I see, I do, I do a lot of mentoring uh, as well, you know, I, I, and particularly of younger people. People sort of ask me, you know, why do you mentor Gen Zs and that? You know, what, what, why are you doing all of that? And, and I see it as a bit of reverse mentoring as well, that I, I learn a hell of a lot more out of them. I, I love the Gen Z generation. I, I just think I reckon they're good. The millennials, you know, my kids are millennials or, or, or uh, on the cusp there, and they're a different. They're a different breed. But but um, you, you're right. Uh, being able to to take an idea through a commercialization and then a corporatization process takes a lot of experience. I always say when I talk to startups. A good idea is not enough. I mean, the first thing I'll say, I'll say, well, tell me about your idea. What's what's different about it? Oh, it's the best cheese or it's the, you know, whatever the best. It, it tends to be very product or service driven, you know, the invention, which is great because they're really passionate about it. But then I start to ask them beyond that. I mean, a good idea is never enough. It's better than starting with a bad idea, right? If mm -hmm. we're going to commercialize something, let's yeah. not have a crap yeah. idea. Let's, let's have something worth doing. But then there's a whole series of things that have to happen to take that idea from a great idea to something that can change the world. And, and you know, there are, there are things that change the world from time to time. Technology, you know, sustainability is something that's changing the world. We can't see it, but I, I'm old enough to, to remember pre-digital. Yeah. I, I, I remember when digital wasn't a thing, right? We are posting um, envelopes and, you know, letters 
it was a typing pool at work. You know, you had a dictaphone as, as and that was about as good as the technology. Then yeah, all of a sudden, remember, mobile, yeah, yeah, yeah. mobile phones and then fax machines. And then somebody said, oh, there's this new fancy thing called a computer. So we bought one of those, <laughs> you know, in the mid 80s. And then, yeah. and then somebody said, you know, we can connect them all up so we can network them. Oh, that's good. So we networked their office. And then somebody came along and said, you know, we've, there's this other thing that the Americans have developed called the internet. Oh, I don't reckon that'll work, you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. So we started to connect other people and other offices. We're connected that way as we speak. And then somebody came along and said, oh, there's this thing called Wi-Fi and 5G and now satellite and now Meta, you know. Um, Mark is, is is developing Meta and virtual people and, and, the, and the rest of it. That's taken 30 years. Where we are at the moment is this term called sustainability. It's the new digital. It's saying that all the things that we've been talking about in, in, in our chat are all coming to, to, together and sustainable capitalism is part of that, where we're changing the world again for the next 20 or 30 years. So if we can embed these practices that we've been talking about around sustainability into our everyday lives, everyone, all the stakeholders, that word again, will, will, will be better off. If you didn't embrace digital, I had people around me in the early 80s that said, nah, computers, I'm not going to do that, you know, <laughs> yes. stuff that. I mean, you know, how many of them are they going to sell? Who's going to buy a computer? You know, they're 5,000 bucks in those, 5,000 real dollars in those yeah, days. Yeah, I know, I remember. I, I, I bought, yeah. it, cost me, it cost me five grand. I went and, I went and got a three-year loan to, uh, uh, down at the bank to be able to pay it off yeah. in installments, like a car. It was, yeah. it was worth more. Than my, my first car cost me 3,000. My first computer cost me 5,000. So, <laughs> So, so, th so, th so there you go. But, but imagine now if we were in total denial and said we're not going to get onto that. So that's what's happening now with sustainable practices. Corporations are, are taking it seriously. The Fortune 500 companies are all producing ESG, environmental, social and corporate governance statements. They're going to their shareholders, to their employees and saying, we need to be better. We need to be smarter. We need to save the environment. We need to make your working life better. We need to equality. We need to have less discrimination. We need, you know, LGBT. All, all of that is all under this mass umbrella called sustainability. And the quicker we get onto that, mm. the better the world. The better the world will be. Yeah. There is still some resistance, still some out, outdated bloody CEOs that should be oh, shoved, it's gonna, it's shoved gonna, on. It's going to. It's going to take time, Karen. You know, they're going to have to wash out of the system. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 the Gen Zs and the millennials and others will inherit the earth. Yeah. And yeah. Hope, hopefully do it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I love all this stuff. And, you know, I just want to, I want to um, quote, and it's one, by the way, won heaps of awards too. So, uh, you know, it, it, this is a real thing. And I love that you're saying... I love and I don't love. No, I do love that you're saying you know a great idea is not enough because you have to you have to corporatize it and you have to really build the whole thing till it. But in there, you also said you know save the world and and so I, I think the thing I want to also point out is that to have a great idea, you don't have to save the world. I think because not everyone's going to come up with you know your great big botanical water um, process, but I do think that if we're we've got to have a mindset that when we do have an idea, we can expand it. And if it's helping the world move forward, even if you're only doing a, a tiny step to help the world move forward, 
it's still fantastic because when you talked about if that at the very start, if we all only change one or two little things, you know, and, and as a collective, we start to build this compounding effect, you know, it's going to be better. So, so, um, you know, I, I just want to, I just want to throw the spanner in the walk. So just, I just, I, I just don't want people giving up on ideas if they're not going to be great big uh, world changing ideas, but we're just going to be better. We're just going to help, just going to contribute. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I know what you're saying. You're saying not every idea has to absolutely change the world. It, it can just take friction out of people's lives. I like to call it. Yeah. Um, just make make it make it easier, or make it safer, or make it, you know, entertainers or whatever the vertical that you're operating in, whatever the invention is, you know, whether you're in entertainment or health or yeah. aged care or whatever. So if we can add value to people's lives, and I don't, I don't want it to be thought that. The biggest risk that we have is what we, I like to call execution risk, right? A good idea, you've got a pathway, you build a business plan, but 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 being able to actually not stuff it up along the way is yeah. your, your biggest <laughs> risk, your, 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 yeah. your execution risk. Yeah. So we should always encourage people to live their dream and and, and chase chase all that and get off the bench and, you mm. know, one, put one foot in front of the other. I've watched some yeah. of your other shows and... Uh, yeah. But but I think, um, and if I'm not sure if you're asking me uh, what, what what the get off the bench uh, question question is, but the one the one that I reckon is one that gets missed a lot. Everyone sort of says, yeah, make a start, you know, be gradual, be caring, be loving, you know, be realistic. But I always say you, the biggest secret. If somebody said to me, what would be the one thing that you knowing now what you know would you do? I'd go and get a mentor. I'd go and get a, me a mentor that would help me get off the bench and guide guide me in a particular way. And Because often we surround ourselves with our loved ones and our friends and we ask them about our ideas and our passage. And what are they going to say? Of course, they don't want to hurt us. They want to support us, their family and friends. But often uh, uh, the right mentor, somebody that, and I'm not even talking about necessarily business, just life mm. skilling. Mm. Somebody that you can trust, that's that you respect, has to have an element of respect there, can be worth their weight in gold to help us get off the bench and 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 do what we you know have a happier life, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask you that question, and you just, <laughs> you read my mind. I preempted, I preempted it. I was going to ask sorry. you what was the number one thing. <laughs> oh, that's I, that's I the one. Yeah. Get, a, get it. Get a good mentor. Uh, that's <laughs> it's it's cheap as chips to do, and it'll reward you for a lifetime. Yeah, ab absolutely. Oh, well, Terry, I funny love this. I just love what you're doing, and I, I, and and like I said, you know, not everyone has to has to change the world in such a big way, but. But too often we think we can't change the world in a big way, you know, like it's that's too big. I don't know how that can ever happen. But you've just proven that big things that are, are truly life-saving can happen, you know, if, if you connect the right dots and and, and the, the, the right dots are out there to be connected. It's just a matter of I reckon keep talking, keep sharing, keep, keep working on it because eventually these dots will come together. And I, I just love I, the, the image in my head about you when you're talking about water that I love the most is when you're saying about the kids in, in India that are living in the village and going to fetch water and their mum and dad are, are working in the factory. And 
All that water is going into the river. Why not put that water it's in the crazy. It's crazy. There's a total dislocation, right? It takes somebody to come along and go, this is madness. It's like a it's like a, a Monty Python movie, you know, like this can't be happening. But it's serious, Karen. You, yeah, you know, I know. It, this is like water scarcity and contamination are probably more serious than carbon and global warming. They're all related, of course. They're all they're all uh, you know, all tied together. But but you can go with our food for 30 days. You can't go with our water for 30 days. You'll die. So, so you've got this really crazy situation that um, I think we're not going to solve it, but we can certainly make a meaningful impact. Oh, and that's all you can do. Nobody can save everything in the world. We, we just can't. But if we're making a change and making a dent, you know, that's the good thing. When you're talking about, I just want to quote you one of your quotes, uh, when you're talking about people dying from water, it's estimated that a child under five years old dies every, listen to this, guys, I'm going to say it again because it's so powerful. It is estimated that a child under five years old dies every 90 seconds because Correct. of the access to clean water and sanitation. It, you know, if that, you that, that's that's a United Nations quote, right? That's come oh. out of off off theirs. And it when I read that, I did exactly what you just did. I read it several times, and I thought, ninety seconds. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just devastating. If we really, really, you know, I get emotional even thinking about it. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be, Karen. It doesn't no. have to be. I don't know how many 90 seconds we've been talking for nearly an hour and I don't know how many 90 seconds have passed in there, I suppose. I don't even know. 60 minutes, it's probably, you know, 40, 45 maybe. 45, yeah. Yeah. Kids have died while we've That's been- a classroom. That's yeah. that's two classrooms probably in, in, in Australia. Can you imagine? that? Anyway, that's uh, it is devastating, but it can change and we will make a change. We will make a contribution. And my dear old mum will be really wrapped <laughs> and I was just thinking too, you know, when you, you just just to just to finish on a, on a high like this is that it, it, forty five kids have just died while we've been having, and it sounds morbid and it sounds awful, but if as human beings and if as caring people and 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 tr- truly stepping into our human human side and humanity, if we were to make that one or two changes in our lives that's an opportunity to save those 45 kids, you know, and it's not much to ask. It's absolutely not much to ask to do something. Absolutely. absolutely. It's a change of mindset. It's that um, clean fish in a dirty pond, mm. somebody else's problem. You know, the government will fix it. That's the kiss of death. No, no disrespect to, to our, our governments and politicians, but if that's plan A, it's not going to end well. No. Oh, anyway, so guys, see how easy it is to make a difference and you don't have to be putting water back in Indian villages or anywhere else in the world, but you can just, one or two little small things can make a massive difference. Terry, thank you. Now, people are going to want to follow you and get what they want to go and have. I'm going to put all your links in the show notes anyway, but um, where can people find you? Well, you're going to do uh, terrypaul.com or on my LinkedIn, just under Terry Paul with an E-P-A-U-L-E, and I'm yeah. sure you'll find me. Yeah, fantastic. And I'll put all the other links to everything might go so that people can read that wonderful poem and, you know. Yeah, Desiderata, it is fabulous. I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee if you take the three or four minutes time to read it, it can be life-changing, one of the best poems ever written. I, I agree. I sat there and read it and thought, wow, this is 
This is so real and so good, but so simple. So simple, but so good. Yeah. It is. Thank you. Oh, well, Terry, thank you very much. This has been absolutely enlightening and, and absolutely mm, uh, inspiring, but also there's such a, such a chunk of hope in, in everything that we've talked about. So I've loved it. Thank you for joining me. And Karen, thank you um, for the invitation. And, and I was excited and I'm still excited. So fabulous <laughs> work, work that you do. And I love your show as well. Oh, thank you. And I know you're not just saying that. And I wasn't. No, saying no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You, 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 you have an infectious sort of personality and and an infectious voice. Perfectly, uh, perfectly uh, good for for doing what you do. I mean, you're born to do this. Thank you. Is it so? You're saying like too ugly for television? Is that <laughs> <laughs> a good radio? What is it? A good head for radio? Yeah. No, I didn't mean. I didn't. Oh no, I didn't say that. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, fabulous, uh, Karen. Thank you, and thanks Thank you. for inviting me again. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, and we'll catch up again soon. I can't wait. Thanks, Eve Terry. See ya. Oh, guys, I absolutely love that. And I I just love that so much water is being wasted. I don't love that bit. But I love that that Terry, well, the, the guy in Mildura first, you know, worked out, hey, we can get all this water out of vegetables. Terry's jumped on board. And now all these kids in villages, and not just them, but like, really, I get this I guess a movie going on in my head about these kids that are suffering for no reason whatsoever. And, and he's come up with a solution to it. And I just love that. And, you know, I know we're talking about how big your idea is and whether it can save the world and all that kind of stuff. But please, if, if you've got an idea, put it out there, like start telling people about it. And, and as, as Terry said, you have to actually execute an idea to, for it to work. But if you don't know how to do it, someone will know how to do it. And great ideas that are going to move the world forward shouldn't stay in your head. They just shouldn't. Well, let's get them moving because we have got limited time and I don't want to sound all, you know, like a, like a killjoy, but there are so many problems in the world. And if we don't start addressing them and addressing them in quite a big way, we're not going to get there. And when I say a big way, we don't have to do the big thing. People like Terry are doing the big things. But as we talked about in that um, interview is that even if you do one or two small things, you're changing the world and there's nothing better than that. So I reckon the first thing you could do is go to the supermarket, grab yourself a bottle of aqua botanical water and like just see how amazing this water is that's come from vegetables and the other thing is go buy some bio cheese and decide, yeah, maybe I could, maybe I could go some plant-based cheese. But really just do one or two things and 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 change the world. And I just hope you've loved that. I hope you I hope you're inspired by the fact that it doesn't, well, it does take a lot actually, but uh saving the world actually can happen and big changes can occur. And it all starts. It all starts with one person thinking maybe this is a good idea. So I really hope you've loved that. Please go uh, check out Terry's websites, which will be in the show notes. And I, I have absolutely loved this conversation. So as, as usual, thank you for joining me every week. And I don't know who does and who doesn't, but I'm going to say it anyway because I absolutely love bringing this stuff to you. So thank you and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. 
If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.